Welcome to Talks at GS, where leading thinkers share insights and ideas shaping the world. This session of Talks at GS was recorded before a live audience. Welcome to Talks at GS. I am thrilled to be here today with Academy Award winning, Academy Award nominated. It's okay. Okay. <laughs> Academy Award nominated actor Edward Norton. So look, just to start, you grew, up in a, you grew up in a family that was serious about environmental conservation and social justice, which um, has inspired a lot of the work that you do today across both business and nonprofit. Talk about kind of early influences. Talk about your parents. Talk about, you know, how you grew up a little bit. And, you know, mm-hmm. talk about how you know, you've gotten into a bunch of these fields alongside, you know, your public life as an artist, as an actor. Sure. I, I think um, I, I was very fortunate in the, in, in, the, in the sense that in the inspiration category, I had um, uh, an, a very dynamic family of, of doers, activists, uh, entrepreneurs um, with a very, very uh, heavy... Um, sense of commitment to, to social impact, which wasn't even really called that back then. My, but my, you know, my grandfather was very well known. He was a commercial real estate developer named Jim Rouse, who um, um, the Rouse Company was really one of the first developers of enclosed retail shop. My grandfather coined the term shopping mall, according to some people. And he had a very, even in the 60s when he built Columbia, Maryland, he, uh, which was the first planned community, he had an incredibly progressive sense of how developers and urban planning needed to um, have progressive values and, and such. Um, and my father, who was a former U.S. attorney for Maryland, um, went over to become the litigator and head of public policy of the Wilderness Society. Um, he founded the Grand Canyon Trust. He founded the Nature Conservancy's China Country Program. And um, he and now is essentially one of the head ESG officers at TPG. So... I, I have I've spent a lot of my life. Um, uh, my mother was in, in education reform and through teacher. I, I just I was constantly around people who were both using their smarts to think about how to work on social problems, but they also were very entrepreneurial. That's great. Yeah. So the environment, you know, it it you know something that's important to you. The argument for conservation and sustainability is increasingly becoming more economics based. You mentioned your dad as a sustainability investor. Talk about how you think about this and how markets, you know, in your view, can play a role in, you know, conservation that's really economics-based. Well, I think that's very well observed, and I think that um, having, like I said, having grown up with a a career conservation um, pro and advocate, I think that um, if you were to define the shift of these last, the last decade, it would be that I think the, the conservation now called environmental sustainability community movement, whatever you want to call it, I think has, has rapidly moved into a recognition that, on a strate- that as a strategic underpinning, the argument for the intrinsic spiritual value of nature is going to be a losing argument however valid it may be against the growing needs of 8 billion 
moving toward 10 billion 10 people. 10 billion people in the world. Yeah. And that ultimately, the only framework in which to persuasively affect policy, economic decision-making, markets, uh, you know, all of it, is to, is to clearly, not suppositionally, prove that, the, that, that ecological services are an asset class and that they have to be, you know, that, that all, the, all, the, all the cliches, if you're drawing down on it, you know, you're taking away your capital. And so to me, kind of like the, 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 the beacon, the, the pole stars of the current era we're in are people like Pavan Sukhdev, who was on the board of Conservation International with me, um, but who I met years ago. You know, he was a, he was a Deutsche Bank. He, I think he ran commodities for Deutsche Bank in Asia, right? And he actually became somewhat obsessed with this idea that we were essentially keeping ecological services off balance sheet in everything, in sovereign debt modeling, in, you know, sovereign debt risk modeling, in all, and, and, that, and that if countries didn't start to get serious, if you're Bangladesh and you're making decisions about converting mangrove forests to shrimp farming, but you're not looking at the 30-year economic impact of losing all that comes in terms of fisheries regeneration, storm surge protection, all of it, and that if you can't quantify that, you know, if, or this is the positive. If you can start to quantify that, make you can in, make better informed decisions. Yeah. So this is that is very exciting. I think that's there's nothing cynical about that. To 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 appropriately understand e the ecology that we live in as an economic value, and to say, hey, the markets of the world are not going to be able to externalize this anymore because the costs are already starting oh, to come surreal. home, yeah. right? And they're coming home, and they're being socialized, right? Essentially, what we're saying is. This, the cost, the external costs of certain business models are not going to be allowed to be socialized anymore because people aren't going to tolerate it. So I want to spend some time just talking about your acting career. You've gravitated, and when you think about some of your roles, you've gravitated towards some incredibly complex characters that have become really, really iconic. Mm. I mean, the one that strikes me, I remember Primal Fear, and I remember watching that movie, and I, I you know, the fact... It's interesting for me to know you now um, and to have talked to you. There are times when I kind of look back in my head and I think of that character. And, I mean, I, it's, it's, it's such a testament to your skill as an actor. But talk a little bit about what attracts you to a character. How do you think about picking those roles? And how do you, how do you get yourself, you know, into, you know, into these roles? And what's, what's the hardest character you've ever played? Well, in the beginning, in the beginning, no actors picking anything. You're 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 Take happy to be getting work. Um, <laughs> Take what you and, can get. and 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 the i the idea that you're consciously constructing any kind of a thematic thread um, is it would be hubris. The, although it, it was funny, I one time went to the Shanghai Film Festival, and um, they I was I was getting they were doing a series of films or something, and I was looking. And I, I can't read Chinese at all, but I could tell that there was there was a definitely a certain phrase that was with my name on these posters and stuff like that. And I said to one of the friends, I said, I said, what is what does that say? And they said, well, it's sort of the the theme of your film series. And I said, what is it? What does it say? And they said, it's it's um, the search for the spiritual center in the new youth generation. <laughs> and they, I said, is that that's my theme? And they said, yes, that's that's what your films are all about. And I said. I said, I'll take that, you know, like, uh, um, but I think, I, I think, you know, in the, from the point at which you have the freedom to make any choices, right. I think I've always been drawn to a certain degree to complexities, uh, I, 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 but, but 
I think that duality in characters, um, you know, if you go back to what the, the, the old theatrical mask, mm -hmm. the, the dual faces, is a very, has always been a very compelling theme to me, the idea of how people represent themselves and what they really, what else is going on underneath. Um, and, and maybe not intentionally, but I, I can certainly see that through a number of the films I've done that people, I think, have gravitated toward very strong. There's, there's definitely a, there's a component of that being expressed in a lot of them. Um, sometimes overtly, like Primal Fear or Fight Club or something like that. But some, sometimes I think even a film like American History X was very much about a person who has been defined one way and now has changed, yeah. you know, has found that sort of the other side of the yin-yang in his life. So Fight Club became a cult hit despite, you know, a slow start, mixed reviews, mixed critical reviews at the time. You know, talk about this film a little bit. Why have perceptions of it changed so much over time? You know, why does it now resonate so deeply with people, and could it be made today? Um, me, made today, definitely much more difficult. Um, the, late, the late 90s was a very interesting time in the, in the film business insofar as, in a lot of ways, almost like the late 60s, early 70s, this, the studio system was almost acknowledging that, that it didn't, it was looking for new voices to speak to, let's call it the Gen X generation at that time. And I think that one of the things that's really surprising is um, that a lot of the things people associate with the very zeitgeisty wave of films in the late 90s, they assumed they were all independent. And the truth is they actually weren't. A lot of them were made at studios, Studio like Fight Club, sure. um, because they were letting people um, who had made kind of bold films have their rope and, and, and make some films. Um, that was a very... 99 was a really a really notable year to me um, if you look at the films were made and I think I think Fight Club was just simply um, if we used to say if it had been super if it had been immediately commercially successful we probably would have done something wrong we, we, then we probably didn't go far enough and I think part of what you saw was Certain people felt incredibly indicted by it, I think, and certain critics felt indicted by it, and I think they they recoiled from the they recoiled from the anger that was you know or the the sense of desperation that was embedded in it. The irony is that we all making it thought it was extremely funny like and and, and, and the truth is we were right, it is funny, and it was meant to be funny and the and most people were in on the joke. The people who were out of the joke, I think were the ones who got mad about it. Um, uh, and I think that's usually that, the way it is. Yeah, and I think that I think that um, I think that it was actually a very gratifying experience to watch the speed with which that that found found its own way to the people that it was intended for. And um, and the truth is, down the long tail, that was an era in which the business still had most of its profit centers in the ancillary distribution sure. in the home video. And so the truth is, Fight Club did very well. It didn't make money at the box office, but it made an enormous amount of money on DVDs and on stuff DVDs. like that. So it, so it, it, we were we were vindicated in all. That's a, that's a good places. actual segue. To, you know, step up higher. Just enormous change in the entertainment industry, with content, with television, with technology. Yeah. You know, affecting it all, changing distribution. Talk a little bit about a high level. You know, from your perspective. You know, where where's this all going? I and and. Um, and, and how, you know, is it going to continue to change for us as we all experience it? I think it's fascinating. If you look at the way the, the content 
media industry has been disrupted by technology, the you know, you, you could say that the music industry could be forgiven, although they got a sniff of Napster, and instead of trying to absorb it and own it, they tried to kill it, right? But you could, you could say distribution of music got taken over by a computer hardware company. No one saw that coming. But the movie business had a decade to watch that slow-motion train wreck and did nothing. Nothing about it. Yeah. And, 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 and the entirety, the truth of the movie business at the time was most of the profit margin was in the ancillary distribution of DVDs, yeah. okay? Yeah. And... You would think, if that was the case, you would go to bed every night and wake up every morning thing, thinking, what threatens that? And you see this coming, and they did nothing. Netflix, Netflix as a streaming service would not have existed were these companies, you know, and you can say whatever you want about how they're clawing it back. The bottom line is a $70 billion market cap company got created off the ancillary product that these studios should have been defending for themselves. And that happened in our adult lives, right? So... So um, that, that is a seismic shift, and it affected, you know, it, it affected everything. It rolled down through talent deals. It rolled into what types of movies are getting made. It changes the risk profile on things because half the profit center is now gone atomized. And I think what's interesting from an artistic point of view, um, I actually think the churn is good. I think that what happens is that... Is that um, the, the other, some people are tightening up because their business model is getting hammered, but all of a sudden, Netflix is getting into the content production business, and Amazon is, and all these people, and there's all these, all these new doors to knock on, right? Yeah. And some of them have very different, they're not box office pressured, right? They, they, they have subscription services. And so, so if, you're, if you're nimble, if, if as, a, as a filmmaker, let's just say, but as any kind of a creator, if you're Chance the Rapper, if you're whatever, all of a sudden... All of a sudden, the whole matrix of the way you can do your work and move it into the world is changing. And if you aren't precious, if you don't get hung up on, well, I need to see my film at the Arclight Cinema, then, then all kinds of opportunities, all sorts of opportunities are opening up. Yeah. And I think, ultimately, it's just very exciting. It's interesting because you were talking about how hard it is to get people to change. You know, you've got one business that actually looks at data, mm -hmm. okay, around you know, films, performance, box office release information that, that I think has a pretty profound impact on being able to really understand, you know, a lot of this. Talk a little bit about, about that business. Sure. Also, talk a little bit about how you guys have been involved in creating this thing that's really unique and different, but getting mainstream businesses to accept it or buy into using it right. has been really, really challenging. I've always been interested in financial technology. I've made investments in in some really cool companies, um, some of which I've, I've told you about, uh, uh, that are doing... And, you know, I, I think this idea of taking contemporary... I don't want to say even take consumer internet, but, but data science talent... The, the data science talent arbitrage that's being levied in against sort of legacy industries um, and creating these incredible... You know, and you, you could call, like, I would call Uber, for instance, like a soft version of that. It's not even the most sophisticated data science, but it's still the, the oh, what they very, pulled off against the baseline. Took a baseline. Yeah, they took a baseline that was in the yeah. Pleistocene age, and, yeah. they, and they outperformed it, right? And so we put together a group and, and built a company called EDO. Um, and now we service the, all of the, the studios, a number of the TV networks, because I think... What we're seeing, what, what we believe is that, you know, the incumbents in that space, Nielsen, companies like that, 
are for everything that they try to gussy up and, and put out um, as a new um, metric of audience engagement, let's say, the truth is we don't think they've got the cutting edge capability. The same is true if you look at the way that, if you look at the way that the networks, you know, you, you have a rate card, right, between all of the networks in their inventory and, and then all the media buyers, right? And, and that rate card is still essentially defined by a very few incumbent players, and the metrics that they're using are frankly pretty moribund. Right. Like, how many people watched a given thing versus what did those people do exactly when they watched it, and how closely can you tie that to purchase intent? Those, those you know, that's the world Massive where, amount of money spent on advertising. Yeah, bl very blind. Yeah, Ultimately very blind. Very blind. I mean, simple Super Bowl, tons of money, you have no idea. Yeah. Okay, any action that comes N out of it. Finance grade ROI analytics on like what did nothing. you put out and what it actually delivered to you, non-existent. Not, so yeah. so we've we've been leaning into those problems and we think getting getting a very uh, speedy uptake. Yeah, so that's very interesting. Shifting gears, best advice you've ever received? Uh, I think actually when I got out of college and I, when I was working for my grandfather, but I, I had this bug in my head that I might, when we're connecting, I, I felt this kind of, he paid for me to go to college. My grandfather paid for me to go to college. And I felt an obligation. I felt like being an art, being any kind of an actor or anything was a little bit like, you know, not narcissistic, but self-serving or selfish. And I felt like he was going to look askance at that. And um, it wasn't that I was going to go to law school or go work at Goldman or anything like that. But I, but I felt, I felt this kind of obligation to, I, I was worried that he was going to be upset that I was wanting to do anything other than work on this great social mission stuff he's doing. And he basically said, like, he said, I didn't, you know, I didn't start thinking seriously about the positive impact I'd have until I was in my 50s or 60s. You know, he said, it, if you want to be an actor, he said, go, just go be an actor and you'll figure out, you'll figure out, your, you, he said, you'll find your way around to, a, to, a, to how you can implement a spirit of service in due course. You know, he, he kind of basically just said, do what you love, and and you will find a way to contribute through it, and that was that was great. I, and I think that's absolutely true. I think people people can be contributive uh, through the assets of any a skill set and experience they have. And I think um, he 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 made me feel more free to to kind of pursue my authentic pursue interests. Your passion. Yeah. yeah, to pursue and, your passion. And that was great, great, great advice for yeah. everybody. Well, look, Edward, thank you. I mean, really, really a Absolutely. pleasure talking to you. I'm sure everybody appreciates it. Thank you for being here. This podcast was recorded on September 26, 2017. This podcast should not be copied, distributed, published, or reproduced in whole or in part or disclosed by any recipient to any other person. The information contained in this podcast does not constitute a recommendation from any Goldman Sachs entity to the recipient. Neither Goldman Sachs nor any of its affiliates makes any representation or warranty, express or implied, as to the accuracy or completeness of the statements or any information contained in this podcast and any liability, therefore, including in respect of direct, indirect, or consequential loss or damage, is expressly disclaimed. The views expressed in this podcast are not necessarily those of Goldman Sachs, and Goldman Sachs is not providing any financial, economic, legal, accounting, or tax advice or recommendations in this podcast. In addition, 
The receipt of this podcast by any recipient is not to be taken as constituting the giving of investment advice by Goldman Sachs to that recipient, nor to constitute such person a client of any Goldman Sachs entity.